You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Isaiah 9 and verse 1 and 2, would you read with me this morning, and then we'll pray. Nevertheless, and I'm going to read this uh, first in the New King James, and then I will read it again in the New Living Translation. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And let me read that one more time, as I said, in the New Living Translation. Just it seems to flow just a little bit smoother. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we are looking forward with anticipation to the light that will shine, that has been promised to us. And Lord, that light indeed has already come to the earth. Lord, 2,000 years ago when you sent your son in the form of a baby, God-man entering this world, taking on human flesh. And Lord, in the scriptures, you promise that you are going to come again, that one day you will rule and reign from Zion or Jerusalem. And Lord, this morning we are looking forward to that day because Christmas reminds us that you are with us and you have a plan for this world and for our lives in it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with hope today. Father, if the commercialization of Christmas has dragged us down this week or in the weeks leading up to this day, I pray, Jesus, that we could turn our eyes from earthly things this morning and that we could gaze upon you, Jesus, the simplicity of a baby born into a manger, a stable, laid in a feeding basket for animals. Lord, that, that, that simplicity would strike our hearts and that we would reflect upon the true meaning of why we're here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm feeling a little warm this morning. Anybody else feeling hot or is it just because I'm in this big sack up here? Okay, there's some. All right. Maybe we could turn, turn it down a little bit. I see several people just nodding their heads and sweating as well. So... Listen, guys, God's miracle is Jesus Christ. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And he is leading us to fellowship. He is leading us to relationship with God. And I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited to share that with you this morning. But before we can talk about that, we have to talk about why that is so significant, why that matters. We need to talk about, number one, why we live in a darkened world the prophet Isaiah wrote to a nation that was ripe with abomination, with apathy, with apostasy, 
and anarchy. He wrote of the consequences of the sin of that nation that had turned their back on God. And he wrote of the judgment of God. He wrote to a people that were walking in spiritual darkness. He wrote to a land, to a nation that God had turned his face away from because of their rebellious hearts. You know, Isaiah in so many ways was a soldier for God. In fact, all of the Hebrew prophets, if you ever read read them, you realize these guys were hardcore. They were asked by God to do the most difficult things. They were to preach the hardest messages of judgment. And yet in the midst of those hard messages, we find the thread of hope. We find that even though the land is dark spiritually, God has a plan. God always has a plan, and God is always working. You see, God, who is light, in whom there is no darkness at all, not even a shadow of turning, James tells us, He has a plan for salvation, and it is found in the sending forth of His Son, which we are celebrating tomorrow morning. You see, Jesus was the answer for Israel in Isaiah's day. And the world has not changed. He is the answer for our nation today. He is the the answer for you and for me today. You know, if you've ever read and studied your Bible, you can see that thread of hope working its way all throughout Scriptures. Why, even when the first man, Adam, sinned in the Garden of Eden... We find a prophecy about the seed that would come down the road, down the line, who would actually crush the head of Satan. That he would crush Satan under his feet. Speaking of the victory that Jesus Christ would have ultimately on the day of the cross, the day that he died and then rose again. Yes, in the midst of the darkness of sinful nature becoming the norm for all of us today, we find the light of Jesus shining forth in the words of prophecy. We're told over and over throughout all of the prophets that even in the darkest hour, God will always inject the light of His Son, the hope of the gospel message. Even when nations who have rulers that are corrupt and liars... Jesus was promised as the righteous king who would rule and reign in truth and justice. Even when the religious leaders were guilty of becoming drunkards and apathetic towards God, disobedient in their hearts, hey, we find the thread of hope. Jesus shines forth as the chief shepherd there in Ezekiel 34 who will go out of his way to teach his sheep, to seek out those that are lost, to heal the brokenhearted and to correct those that are straying. My question for you this morning, though, is do you see it? Can you see the comparison, the relation? Are we also living in the land of darkness similar to Isaiah only today? I believe that the answer is yes. If you are uh, reading the news and you are a a real person who is realistic in in your worldview, We see abominations in our land today, in America today. You see, our land is filled with people who call evil good. And what is good, they call evil. Let us take a moment today and reflect on the darkness, because that makes the light of Jesus so much more meaningful and precious to us. When we talk about abominations, we have to talk about the sexual revolution that is continuing to sweep throughout our nation and world today. 
actively seeking to destroy what is good, that which God created and gave to a man and a woman within the boundaries of, of a marriage. What our nation hails as progress and is so proud of, God warns that it is not natural and will destroy. What our Supreme Court says is every citizen's right, God says is an abomination in His sight. And that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Contributing to this problem is that the level of sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, adultery has skyrocketed in our nation. Right alongside the exponential growth of pornography and illicit material that is so easily accessible on the internet. With the rise of the dating app and the swiping and social media, that has only helped sexual immorality in America. In the year 2016, 18 million American adults were registered as cohabiting, which is up from almost 30% since the year 2007. What our country calls cohabiting, the Bible calls sexual immorality. What our country calls good, God says it actually tears down and destroys. If we're speaking of abominations, we must also speak of divorce and its role in producing trauma in so many children's lives today. And that trauma, when it is not healed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it produces unhealthy and destructive coping habits that only further contribute to the darkness of our nation. And if we're speaking of abomination in our nation today, then we have to talk about the abortion issue as well. You see, between 1970 and 2014, at least 44.5 million babies have been murdered in our country. And all of this and more are abominations that break God's heart. They break His heart because they destroy people's lives. And they keep them from the, the necessary love and compassion and mercy that God desires to show to this broken world. If we're talking about apathy this morning, which means a lack of interest in the things of God, well, we can talk about the drug abuse problem in that category. Because the drug abuse problem in our nation has mushroomed even as many states are trying to simply legalize the substance that messes up so many lives. Not to mention ruins families. I know uh, when you're a surfer there in California, you can't help but to begin to know lots of pot smokers. And it's always interesting to me how much of an idol marijuana can so quickly become. We as a nation have a drug problem. According to the American Society of Addiction Medicine, drug overdose is the leading cause of accidental death in the United States, with more than 52,000 lethal drug overdoses in 2015. Opioid addiction is driving that epidemic, with 20,101 overdose deaths that are related to prescription pain relievers and 12,990 overdose deaths that are related to heroin, which is what a lot of people that are addicted to pain relievers move on to because pain relievers just don't do it anymore. 
In 2012, 259 million prescriptions were written for opioids in this nation, which is more than enough to give every single American adult their own bottle of pills. What about apostasy? Well, we have plenty of that happening in our nation as well. According to the Pew Research Center, Christianity in America is in decline. Even those politicians claim America is a Christian nation. The share of the population that identifies as Christian is shrinking significantly in recent years. New statistics from the Pew Research Center show us that between 2007 and 2014, the last date that this survey was taken, the number of Americans who identify as Christian has dropped by nearly 8 percentage points, from 78 to 70 percent in our nation. And at the same time, the same research from Pew's research center shows us that those are the number of people who are religiously unaffiliated, either atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, that category has grown by uh, more than six percentage points, from 16% in 2007 to 20, almost 23% in 2014. And they tell us that there are now approximately 56 million re religiously unaffiliated adults living in America, according to the study today. The nuns, as they are known, N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-E-S, they actually outnumber, the nuns outnumber the Catholic nuns, or all of those who are Catholics and mainline Protestants. They're second only to evangelicals in percentage-wise today in our nation. Yes, we live in the land of darkness. We live in the land of the shadow of death. Our land is crying out for a savior. The book of Leviticus tells us that when someone is murdered, their blood contaminates the ground and it cries out to God. That God actually can hear the agony and it cries out to him. Our land cries out to God. Who can set us free from this death shadow? Who can save us from these injustices? Is it a Republican? Is it a Democrat or is it the Son of God? The question this morning is not only who can save this nation, but who can save us from ourselves. The second point this morning is that we live in a darkened heart. Not only do we live in a darkened nation, but we live with a darkened heart. In verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9, once again, check it out. He says, the people walked in darkness. Now, the Hebrew language makes this clear that this is actually an analogy of a person's lifestyle. Not literal darkness, but rather this is how the people were living their lives. They were walking, living out their lives in darkness. Isaiah is talking to a people who, by choice, are, are living in sin. They're not strangers to sin. They know the difference between right and wrong. They're choosing to live the way that they're living. And if you and I will take a moment to face the honest truth about our own sinful hearts here this morning, we will find that there within us is the source of all that is wrong in our world today. Because we see human nature within ourselves. It is in the blackness of darkness of sin in our own hearts that we desperately need light. We desperately need the truth of God's light to cut through 
the wickedness in our own hearts, our own pride. That pride within us that says, no, that's not me. He's talking about someone else. My heart doesn't have that struggle. But listen, that's not what Jesus told us. Jesus tells us that it is in our hearts that sin originates. Every single one of us because of the curse, because of the fall. Jesus tells us that sins such as evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, thieving, lying, uh, uh, slander, which is just hateful talk about others, all of that, it's found where? In our hearts, Jesus says. Yes, even in my own heart. You see... I'm just a man too. I'm just like anybody else in this world. We all struggle with these things that come out of us. Here's the reality. We are the people who walk in darkness. We are those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Just like the people of Isaiah's time. Just like the people who were desperate for a savior when Isaiah penned these words. If you look at the second verse in Isaiah 9th chapter, one more time, you'll notice that that prophecy was written in the past tense. How interesting is that, that Isaiah the prophet would write this prophecy in the past tense as if it already happened, even though he's hundreds of years before the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, If you study the Hebrew language, the reason that that translates in the past tense is because Isaiah was so sure it was going to happen, he wrote it down as if it already had. That's how sure this prophecy was in his heart. He knew that God was not finished with his people yet. Isaiah had assurance from God that that, that his light would shine. And Isaiah was given hope in the midst of the darkness and the blackness that was to come. You see, in verse 1, he talked about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali being humbled. And what he's talking about is that was the first, that was northern Israel, and that was the first part of the land of Israel that was going to be taken over and overrun by the armies of Assyria when they came down. It was going to be humbled. It was going to receive judgment. But in the midst of that, Isaiah says, listen, there is hope. God's light will shine. Hope in the Bible is the sincere expectation of coming good. It is the assurance that what God has promised will happen. So sure is it that we can write about it in the past tense as if it already has. Christmas reminds us that God has a plan. Christmas reminds us that just as God has already sent His Son to be the Savior of the world once, once again, He will send His Son. The Bible tells us that the second time that Jesus comes, His foot will step down on the top of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem and it will split that mountain into a gigantic valley. And there in that valley, He will gather the nations for their judgment. But listen, between now and then, He has commissioned the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ stepped into humanity He took on human flesh to become like us so that he could experience life just like you and I do. 
He went through all of the temptations, all of the stuff that you go through. He experienced the whole gamut of human emotion and human life and all of the temptations that you and I face on a daily basis. And he did it without sin so that he could step one day into the cross where he died as a human being to save all humanity and yet fully God at the same time. And it is a blessing. It is that thread of hope come to a culmination. And this Christmas message just reminds us that this, that God is not done. That just as he sent his son once, his son is coming again. God has a plan, a plan of redemption, a plan to save. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60 this morning, Isaiah chapter 60, a little bit further on there in your Bibles. And I want to read this scripture to you this morning. Isaiah chapter 60, I'll read verses 1 and 2. Isaiah prophesies and he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and His glory will be seen upon you. I praise God for the light of Jesus Christ in our world today. His light has risen over us. His light shines in our hearts, church. And in the deep darkness, His glory can be seen. Not in the world, but in the church. Through the church. The church's people. It's not this building. It's you. It's me. His light has shined. His light light has come. You know, this Christmas I pray that we will not only, all of us, remember, but we will receive Jesus as God's Savior for sin. That we would have a strong desire to ask God to send us His Son again. You know, one of the things that strikes me about Mary, the mother of Jesus... Well, first of all, she's humble. But second of all, she had a strong desire in her heart to have Jesus in our world. When you read the Magnificat, when she expresses and exclaims praise to God for what he has done, you can see her heart. Her heart was desperate for the Messiah to come. Just as so many in Israel were desperate when Jesus did arrive on the scene. Hey, church, are we desperate? Are we desperate that Jesus would come to us? That we would go to him? That we would be together? Are we desperate for that? Or has the world choked out and clouded our judgment? Are we too commercialized to care? We need Jesus every day. But especially this Christmas, we need Jesus to come and to save our people. Why? Well, when a jeweler wants to present a diamond in such a way that it appeals to his customer, how does he do that? He displays it against a dark background, doesn't he? And any of you that have ever shopped for a wedding ring, you know how those diamonds can dazzle you. When you look at those diamond rings and you go, whoa, that looks shiny, that looks bright. Well, listen, that's what Jesus does. That's what Isaiah is essentially doing. That's what God is doing with His Son, Jesus Christ. Hey, the the land is dark, it's bleak, but there's a light. That light will shine. 
And that light is Jesus, who, like that precious diamond, he stands out as the answer of hope in the midst of the darkness. Is your life broken today because of sin and evil? Hey, listen, have hope because God has sent his son, Jesus. He loves you. He loves you enough to die on the cross for you and for your sins, all of them past, present, and future. And today, if you receive that truth, if you'll accept that light in your heart, God will save you from the destruction that is to come. Have hope because God has sent his son, born this Christmas morning, to be the light that heals. As I close this morning, I'd like to do so by reading from Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61, one chapter over. And I'd like to read the first couple verses there. Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And I want to stop right there this morning, because Jesus is the light. He's the light that shines in the darkest night. Will you come to His light? He's the one who preaches the good news to the poor. And especially to the poor in spirit. He's the one who heals the broken. And especially the one whose heart is broken because of sin. He's the one who sets the captives free. And especially who breaks the chains of those that are bound. He is the one who avenges wrongs. And sets the world at peace with God the Father. He comforts you who mourn. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He's mighty God and everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the God that became a man, born of a virgin. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. What about you? Will you receive his light today will you receive his light in your heart will you be one who says all right lord i surrender i'm putting all of me on your altar today i'm walking in the light as you're in the light the things that chain me the things that bind me the things that hold me back and beat me down the fear that binds me the fear that holds me back i'm surrendering that today your light has come Your spirit of boldness and love has filled my heart. That's what God wants to give today. The gift of Christmas is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray.